Hello, hello, beautiful people, mi gente bella. Welcome, welcome to the second episode before Santana Says, where we talk about everything from roadblocks to relationships and everything in between and basically the overall journey of life. I am super excited to have you here again tuning in with me or if it's your first time, I'm super excited that we are connecting together for that very first time. And so I would like to get into, if you didn't get a chance to hear the introductory episode where I talked a little bit about myself, I am a person who full-time, I actually do social services. So I'm essentially a social worker. I am a family support specialist, connect family to resources, do that full-time. I also happen to be a mom. So that's full-time work right there in and of itself. Shout out to all moms of any kind that get to share that load with anyone else or who are doing it by themselves, much like myself. So I definitely, you know, do that also. But I also happen to do work with Planned Parenthood. And I just really like to do things in the world of violence prevention. I definitely think that we need to have more conversations about healthy relationships, ways to be able to interact with one another from a healing place and from more of a happy place versus other things that might have happened. October is a month that gets me super excited. One, because it's the month that I was born in. So, you know, that's a wonderful time to celebrate life and being able to have been born during that time. Shout out to all my fellow Scorpios because, you know, not going to say that most of the R&B songs are dedicated to us, but they are. Um, And so super excited for that. But I also love October because of the awareness that it raises. I know that there is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but it is also Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And what I really appreciate about that is there are many causes that I love to be able to support and that, you know, I want to be able to like show you know, be able to be behind, including what's happening currently with Puerto Rico. Shout out to Puerto Rico and also to Florida, because I know a lot is happening with our current storms, with the hurricanes. And so all of those who are doing all those grassroots efforts, everyone that is raising money, I literally salute you and just want to be able to do what I can to continue to raise that forward. But speaking of movements, I would definitely be remiss not to talk about that. So on this show, we are definitely going to get into talking talking about the nitty-gritty, being able to talk about how we can navigate all of these different things in our lives. But domestic violence is definitely one of them. I want to be able to delve into that. And so today, I really want to start off talking about what exactly is that? I know we hear about domestic violence. We sometimes may have here also seen movies about domestic violence. But I think it's certainly a very complicated issue because there's so many facets to it. And so domestic violence, I think usually one of the main or maybe I would say most common connections that people make is definitely the fist. So, you know, just people being hit or, you know, people being bruised up like that's domestic violence all day whenever individuals have that kind of thing happen and when there's like some kind of physical evidence of that abuse taking place that's domestic violence however I don't think we talk enough about the other areas that go into it so domestic violence can also encompass financial financial abuse if somebody's like dependent on someone that person is paying all their bills absolutely it's gonna be hard to walk away from that abusive relationship no matter how abusive it may be because they need that person they need that person it could be that that person is also undocumented and so they're literally dependent on them for citizenship it could be that they literally need them for residence whatever it may be it does make it hard to then walk away from that kind of a relationship when they need those things are taking place but I also think one that does not get seen for sure is also mental and so mental abuse is absolutely domestic violence it absolutely it's within it 
domestic violence encompasses it. And so it's definitely a part of it. Absolutely. And that one is one of the hardest. It's how domestic violence is successful. And so when we're able to get into people's heads and we can manipulate them, allow them to believe what we're saying, that that's a powerful tool in any type of relationship, let alone an abusive one. And abusers, abusers, they know that. They take advantage of that. And so they actually are banking on the fact that they can use that and then they can take advantage of people at any vulnerability. And I think the interesting thing is that when we think about abuse and we think about victims and how this all like goes together, we kind of see like these like weaker individuals and then the abusers are like these really strong like people that are able to overpower them and overtake them. The honest truth that I would like to look at really is that we all have our vulnerabilities, however, even abusers do. It's just that they prey upon those vulnerabilities, they rip them wide open, and they expose them to us in a way where it makes it hard for us to then walk away from those vulnerabilities and to believe that we deserve better than what is happening in that situation. So I really think that we all really, we're all imperfect human beings. We're all imperfect. We all have emotions. We all live in this world. But abusers like to take advantage of the fact that they see these vulnerabilities on a person. They see that they might see the weakness in a person and they take advantage of that and definitely overpower them. Domestic violence, just like any of the other violences that we might talk about, is absolutely a issue of power and control. So it's it's someone exerting power and control over another person, whether, as we just mentioned, whether that's financially, hey, I'm paying everything, so how you gonna go? Like, what you gonna do without me if I'm paying for everything? It's If it's mental, like, well, you know nobody else loves you, I'm the only person that loves you, you know, you don't really mean anything to anyone else, like, your whole world is wrapped up with me. That's also definitely an issue with that and then also it absolutely is physical in nature now what I also want to do is I don't I wanted to bring awareness to the fact that yes there are other areas of domestic violence but the physical is definitely one of them as well and so domestic violence the ultimate fear with it and that's why I cannot have enough conversations about it is that it can result in death and so there have been many individuals and when I say this I'm not talking about a specific gender there have been men who have died or have been abused at the hands of women there have women who have been abused at the hands of men there have been others that are on the whole gender spectrum and honestly when you add LGBT Q plus, you know, into the into the mix, they're the ones that ha carry the greatest risk for being abused. And so it's just really anyone, anyone of any background of any age can be abused. And so I just want to live in a world where less of that is happening and more preventative efforts are taking place. So I can't talk about domestic violence enough, as y'all can see, which is probably what led to all of this in the first place. So I really do appreciate when we're able to have conversations about that. And I love, love that we have a month that is dedicated to that, you know, bringing awareness to that, having more conversations about it. But why on earth would I be so inclined or so passionate about it. There's definitely a story. <laughs> and I, I would tell you that there are so many people that work in the field of violence prevention who do advocacy, much like myself, where there's definitely a close connection. If it's not maybe a family member, you know, that they've seen, it's definitely, you know, someone close to them, most likely, or it might be themselves, you know, who have been in that line of work. There's usually something that draws them in. I have had the pleasure, however, of meeting some individuals who do this work and have never had any encounter. And to be honest, I salute them. They, you know, had no way of other way of being able to be connected to it, but they were so moved by what this issue is and the awareness that it deserves that they did get involved in that work. So definitely I salute those. But, you know, even if you are also finding yourself, as, and since I am going to talk about that, 
whenever I do, you know, conversations about this, of course, I do want to give a warning that I am going to be talking about domestic violence. And so I know that can be sensitive for some, and I don't want to ignore that. I don't want to ignore that. I definitely want to acknowledge that. So you do what you can, but I do want to share my story with you and how my own experience with domestic violence. So Interestingly enough, I am currently single. However, in the past, I had been a part of certain relationships. And to really paint the picture for you all, I really need to go back to my mother. And so I have a mother who I, I do adore. You know, I love her. She's an incredible grandmother. You know, shout out to grandmothers, y'all, because they're a blessing, okay? <laughs> when they take the babies, you know, and like are able to babysit them and, you know, do everything they can. I mean, and it's hilarious, you know, they're able to take care of the babies, but then return them back to us. And so, like, we're able to take advantage of that village. If you have that village, please take advantage of it. And so my mother is a um, an incredible grandmother. She was in, she is a, a currently an incredible grandmother and definitely was an incredible mother um, to me and doing everything she could. However, I didn't always see it that way. I grew up with a lot of resentment towards my mother because she, to me, she wasn't exactly the mother I wanted her to be. You know, in my eyes, I wanted a role model. I need, I wanted somebody I could like talk to about all my issues and be able to ask them questions and all these complex thoughts that I have and be able to run that by. And I always did find myself very motivated in school, but it's because school was my safe place. Unfortunately, what I learned uh, later on is that my mother was the unfortunate victim of domestic violence herself. So she found herself at the hands of an abuser. What I got, however, when she was raising me was someone dealing with it. And so she was dealing with the pain of having been abused, something that I was not there for, but heard many stories about, and I will share with you momentarily, but also she was dealing with that. And so her, she didn't have this healthy way of coping with that pain. She um, chose alcohol in her case. There are many different, you know, way mannerisms that some people choose for her that was hers so she chose to um do that and so as unfortunately for her it did cause her to be distracted there were some times where I feel that I wanted her to be present you know I wanted her to really you know understand what was happening you know with me and the different things that were taking place but unfortunately she wasn't always able to do so you know she um she was definitely turning to that and what I what was coping for her I did to me just look like a lack of parenting you know and I wasn't able to see you know to see that like as a kid and be like well let me you know feel for my mom because she's been through a lot like maybe I should you know like give her the benefit of the doubt no in my eyes I'm like no this makes me upset she is not here for me right now it, it did it, it caused me to have a lot of unnecessary anger y'all anger is such a goodness gracious we can have a whole show about that we probably will and so about how we feed that right we feed anger and it it does take a lot of energy from us but at the time it's all I knew and so what I really came to find out though is that she uh, alcohol was soothing for her you know and it was comforting and she did drink a lot of my during a lot of my childhood but it was because before that she was in an incredibly abusive relationship I'm talking about when we talk about the face you all I will tell you that I don't from what I've heard, I'm trying to remember when she wasn't hit. It was almost a daily occurrence. Um, she would be waking out of her bed um, in the middle of the night and she would be asked to, to prepare a meal. If she didn't do it exactly the right way or at exactly the right moment, she would be hit for it. It would be in front of others. So it also was not this like, you know, sometimes it does happen privately, you know, and that also makes it difficult where the abuser isolates the person and other people don't know about the abuse. Unfortunately for my mother, people knew. People knew, but they didn't know exactly how to help her. And she wasn't. She wasn't able to get the support. And my mom also came here at the age of 15. 
straight to work. She went straight to work. She has worked in factory jobs all her life. So she has, you know, done a lot with that. And so she found herself in this relationship um, pretty early in her life. And she, yeah, she was, it was, you know, one of my siblings' um, fathers. And unfortunately, yeah, it was, she was getting hit all the time. And so it came to be all she knew. So she, you know, being able to be loved in the right way or like all of that, that wasn't even part of the conversation. She just was trying to survive. She really just was always trying to avoid that. She was definitely cheated on. She was ridiculed. She was, you know, talked about. It was just, she also, the person that committed the abuse half the time was also not sober. And so that person would just, you know, do all of these things to her. And it really... It did a lot to me, you know, to hear that I've also had conversations with her now as an adult and I've gotten new details about her walking down the steps and being greeted with a punch at the end of it about how she was in a robe once and even got disrobed in front of other individuals and got hit so hard that she fell on the floor. I've just heard a lot from her. And so my respect for her now, of course, has absolutely grown. But as mentioned, it's super hard to see that. So I don't I want to make sure that anybody who's listening who may feel that they've also been in abusive situations or, like myself, were raised by someone who unfortunately could not give them the guidance, I I see you. <laughs> I see you. I, I hear you because that was definitely my experience. And so it was super hard to separate that and say, like, okay, but, you know, she really went through all of this. You know, let me, you know, help her. I just wanted her to be a mom for me despite all of that that she was going through. But she did um, drink a lot. I actually grew up hating alcohol. I was like, I would never... I don't ever want that to be part of my, you know, adulthood. I just don't want to end up like that. I don't want that to be the way that I get through life. You know, I did all that. I have a, you know, different understanding now. But at the time, that's, you know, that's what I saw. And so interesting for me is that, so I see all that happened with my mom. So I'm like, okay, and she's worked hard. She got all these jobs. She's doing all this stuff. So I'm like, that makes, you know, that that was her experience. She was still able to purchase a home. She did that. She got her American dream going, you know, all of the good things. So I did grow up in a house, you know what I mean? She had she had maybe had one apartment that I barely remember. Most of my childhood, I remember this wonderful house that she still owns. She actually has all of the ownership rights to it to this day. No longer, all she pays now is property taxes. And so that is something I saw. But I told myself, I'm like, okay, with school, I found school to be my safe place because she wasn't able to give me a lot of feedback. She was most of the time distracted, going through something, maybe drinking, you know, doing things like that. And so... At school, I loved it because at school, the teachers would give me compliments. They would compliment either my work what or my ability or like the skills. So I just loved it. I would go back. I wanted more. I was like, okay, this, I see here what I'm not getting at home. So I want to get as much of it as I can. So I would be in every program that they had, any competition. I was like at, at the state level in middle school trying to compete for a speech contests. I just loved school. I love school. I love being there. There is actually a teacher who taught me in elementary school, you all, who I still talk to to this day. She taught me in second grade, and that woman is still in my life. She is now in my own children's lives. So shout out to educators because some of them truly are amazing, and that woman saw me. She saw me because at school, even though it was my safe place, I was extremely quiet. Like, I'm talking about nope. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking, I'm literally on a podcast, y'all, which you have to speak. I will tell you that that was not my experience growing up. When I was younger, I was like, you speak unless, you do not speak unless spoken to. You do not interrupt the teacher. I was that person, y'all. I was a bookworm, teacher's pet, whatever you want to call it. That was me, and I was proud of it. And so I really immersed myself into that. 
And I loved it. I really loved being able to do that. It definitely took me far. I was the valedictorian of my class. Um, it was a small class, but still, you know, two, two. <laughs> but it was it was a great accomplishment. It is something I'm proud of. And I went to college, you know, did a whole nine. You know, I went to college, started a organization there, was like this high achieving person. And so I'm thinking I'm doing great. I'm like, you know, my mom, she had her, you know, rough moments, but I'm I'm going to try to like take what I saw from her. There's some parts that I don't want to repeat. So let me do what I can, right, to set myself on a path of success. And as a result, I'm thinking that I'm not going to, I'm not about to fulfill any generational curse. You know what I'm saying? Because, no, I see what she did, and I'm going to go ahead and learn from that and do what I can. Y'all, not the case, okay? I, I thought so. I, I really did. However, I end up in a relationship. And even though, as I mentioned to you all, I was not there for my mother's abuse, I still found myself in an unhealthy relationship. But here's the thing. Did I grow up talking about what exactly is unhealthy versus healthier? And how do we communicate? As I told y'all, my mom wasn't really available half the time for any conversation in that way. And even if we would have, she was still processing her own pain. So it wasn't going to be, it wasn't a conversation she was going to be able to have, unfortunately. And I wasn't telling anything to my teachers. I'm not telling them like, oh, I have all this stuff going on at home. And, you know, could you help me? No, I'm turning into my work so they could give me A's and make me feel good. So, you know, all that's happening. So I end up in this unhealthy relationship and I felt so fraudulent, y'all, because at one point while I'm in the relationship, I began working for the Rape Crisis Center. And I'm literally like, when you're at the Rape Crisis, I was working as an advocate. So I'm here, I'm helping other people with their cases and like, you know, forming cases against their abusers and standing up for themselves. And I'm going home every day to this unhealthy person. But I didn't know that, you know, in my eyes. I didn't realize I was in that cycle that they talk about with domestic violence where it's like good and then it gets bad and then they apologize and then it gets better and then they blow up again. I didn't know that's what I was on. To me, I'm like, that's what relationships are, y'all. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we argue. Um, and then, you know, it goes back to what it needs to. However, no. How <laughs> What I realized was when somebody, when you're constantly anxious, you know, in that relationship, you're questioning yourself when that person does not validate your worth, when they are minimizing everything you do, when they're critiquing everything you do, when they do physically become aggressive in any way, that is all abusive behavior. And unfortunately, I didn't know that. I didn't know how to recognize that. So this person would, yes, they would get in my face. They would um, yell at me for sure. Whenever they were triggered, they were dealing with their own pain. They would, they would say, you know, definitely disrespectful things to me. Um, they absolutely, it did also rise to the level of physical at one point. And so eventually this person did, they did lay their hands on me. And so I didn't know what to do with that when it first happened. I was definitely taken aback by it, but I honestly, I didn't know who to turn to when it happened. I didn't know, you know, exactly what, how do I even verbalize, you know, what that, you know, what language to put to it. I didn't know what language to put to it. Of course, a part of me was embarrassed. I'm like, well, you know, how does this, you know, how does this happen? But also, here's what always drew me back in. This person would constantly apologize, y'all. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, you know, then they didn't mean it. Obviously, they didn't mean it. Why would they apologize? I don't think a person who really means harm would say sorry. That that shouldn't go together. So I'm thinking, like, this must mean that maybe that person is troubled. And y'all, that's another thing that I want to make sure that I say. For all those who may find themselves in the service industry where they serve others, there are there is this trap that a lot of us fall into where we want to heal other people. 
and we want to help others. And we take on what are called projects. So that is what I was doing. And I'm thinking that I can help this person. I am going to save them. You know, they need me. <laughs> so they need me. They need some kind of direction. I'm going to help them. We're going to help each other. Absolutely not. Y'all don't do it. Please don't. Lord, let's talk about it before you consider going down that path because it can be exhausting. And what is going to happen is you're just going to lose yourself in that relationship. And guess who's getting saved? No one, including you. And so that is definitely what happened. I did find myself wanting to help the person so much. They had faced a lot of pain in their life. And so had I, right? They had issues with their mother. So did I. You know, they wanted to succeed in life, but they, you know, wasn't, weren't sure exactly how they were going to get there. You know, so did I. So there was a lot that we did coincide on. And also, this is a person that I eventually went to have, went on to have children with. Once you put children into the mix, it was hard. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be that broken relationship that and I, I wanted to be able to give my children two parents. I wanted them to be able to see them together, loving one another, and you know, being able to have that. I wanted them to have that so bad, especially because I didn't. And so I know I kept saying a lot about my mother. That is because, yes, I did not have a father figure in my life. He was not there. I do have an incredible stepfather who came in my life at the age of 10. But prior to that, there was not um that role was not being fulfilled. And so I want it so bad. I'm like, y'all, I'm going to make this work for my kids. We are going to stay together. We're going to make this happen for them. We're going to be this happy family. But y'all, it just kept, you know, <laughs> duh. unfortunately, the arguments kept coming. This person would constantly do things to me. One time it happened when I was pregnant and they like tossed me across the room. And so I uh, definitely, what, but what's interesting is that you would think in that moment, right, hearing that, that you would be like, oh, that would have been it for me. I would have definitely left that person. No, that day when that happened, I went to the hospital to check on myself, but not for me, actually. That was incorrect word to use. It wasn't for myself. I went to go check on my baby. I just wanted to make sure that the pregnancy was well, had no, wasn't even, myself wasn't even a priority in that moment. I really just wanted to make sure that my baby was okay. And so when that nurse asked me that pivotal question of like, are you safe to go home? I lied. I absolutely lied and said, yes, I am safe to go home only because I wanted to just, you know, I was just happy that the baby was okay and didn't want to have to admit what was really happening to me. And so... I got out of that. I did return to my house. Um, I was also told in that moment, you know, actually while I was at the hospital lying to the nurse about my safety, I was actually being antagonized the whole time I was there. I was being asked by that person, do you want to send me back to jail? Because this person had had issues, run-ins with the law before. I was being asked, like, do you, you know, do you really want to be the reason why things happen? Do you want to be able to talk to police? So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be the person causing this person more pain. So, yes, I told them, no, I don't want to do that. You know, it was just so easy to get sucked up into all that, to be honest. And also, after so many years of just being at the be at the brunt and just receiving all of these insults and pain and just projection that this person was putting on me, I really just started to believe it after a while that I had no worth, that this was the best that I could do, and that I didn't deserve better. And to be honest with you, I think that's the main thing that I want to make clear to anyone, anyone that has ever faced abuse in their life of any kind, including domestic violence. I want you to know that nobody deserves any kind of abuse. I, I, there's no way to justify it or like, well, maybe you did something. Maybe, maybe it was a certain thing you said or no, no, <laughs> there is no, there is absolutely no justification for anyone 
to have abuse by the hands of any person on this earth. So you don't deserve that. And I will tell you that me believing I did deserve it allowed me to stay as long as I did. I really did. And like I just told you all, I went to the hospital to check on the baby. I didn't even check on myself. And so I allowed myself to stay in that relationship. Definitely thought that this was the best I could do. But my breaking point was there was one day. At this point, I had a total of three children. I, that was the amount that I had. Those are also all the children that I have. But I had three children at this point with this person. Um, though my oldest was not present, was not at home. But my middle child and my youngest, I believe my oldest was actually with my mother. So I believe she was with her that day. Can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty positive since she wasn't home, that's where she was. So my middle child happened to be downstairs with me. So was my youngest. My youngest was more of a, I wouldn't say newborn, but you know, had like was pretty early, wasn't able to walk at that point. And so I remember that it was an argument and you know how you can tell how a person is getting revved up and they're about to really go off. So I already was hip to that. And so I knew it was coming. Uh, something had happened, you know, whoever, whatever the argument was about, because does it ever matter? It's always something dumb. Um, but I knew it was coming, so I grabbed my youngest because my youngest was the most vulnerable, you know, wasn't able to walk in anything, took her upstairs with me, and then unfortunately left my middle child. It was a quick decision. I was just trying to get out of the way and left her downstairs, and to this day, I feel terrible that she was down there. I have no idea, you know, I actually learned very recently what she did see because we did have conversations about it, but, you know, prior to that, like th this day, of course, I had no idea what she was going to see, but I knew that something was probably going to come. Sure enough, as I'm upstairs, I'm hearing glass shattering. I'm hearing things being like destroyed downstairs. Like, well, guess you don't need this. Guess you don't need that. You know, yelling is happening. My, I felt like my house was being destroyed. It was just chaotic. And so that was actually the first time. There was many times before that where that that kind of behavior had happened, or I had been you know hit myself, or I had been yelled at, or anything like that. But because this day my kids saw it, that was the breaking point for me. So I never, I did not, in my case, I did not leave my abusive relationship for myself. I left because of my children. And so when I talk about my children being my lifesavers, I am not lying. Like those babies are everything to me. I would do anything for them, but they absolutely saved my life. Because in that day, I said to myself, no, enough is enough. I don't want them to grow up thinking that this is normal and that this is the kind of treatment they deserve. And so, or that anybody should be treated like this. That is when I kicked my um, ex out of the house. And so I was like, nope, this is enough. I can't do it anymore. You know, you got to go. <laughs> and so... I did, you know, and unfortunately for those who know about domestic violence and know about abusive relationships, you would think that was like the end, you know, like maybe the tip of the iceberg or that or that or that that would be at least the hardest part. It absolutely was not. Um, I had plenty of things that happened after that. I almost got ran off the road before I was threatened and I was going to get sent to jail many occasions. I had, you know, I was reported on by this person. It just, a lot happened after that. They did not take the breakup well at all. And I just learned a lot about me. That was also a very hard part for me, um, just bouncing back from that and also readjusting because what I also learned during that experience is how trauma operates, you know, and how it really takes hold of your mind. There were many moments where in the relationship, when I would get nervous, I would laugh. And so I mean, I'll find things funny, you know, and I love to joke about things. But in these moments, it would be this, it was really out of nervousness, but the person, it would actually trigger them more. And so they would be like, well, what exactly is funny? And they would get more upset. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just laughing because I'm, I'm nervous. I don't know what to do right now. You know, it's just a lot 
going on for me. And that's something that I've talked about with many survivors, you know, that I that I've worked with and that I still work with is that when that happens, I need y'all know that's normal. That's a that's a completely normal response. I, of course, I didn't know that in the moment. I'm thinking like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I laughing? What is funny right now? But it was just it was the only response I had. And so sometimes when we do that, you know, when we kind of like curl back to our childlike ways, you know, there's some people that like to just curl up into a ball when they're really overwhelmed. It's our body trying to protect us, you know, and really help us with that situation because we don't know what else to do. This is just a lot going on right now. How am I supposed to deal with this? And so your body definitely does that. And your brain sometimes shuts down to help you out, you know. And so there are many moments in that relationship that I can't recall. I'm telling you all what I do remember, but there have been some moments that, like, my cousins have told me about and other people. I don't remember at all what, what they've said. There's been moments about my childhood that I've tried to go back to and remember, and I can't. And so I know that that was my brain protecting me and helping me because when things get really overwhelming like that, it is definitely normal for your mind to, in an effort to protect you, shut down and cause you to not have certain memories and you're not able to retrieve them. And so it's not, I don't want anyone listening to this thinking that it does make them not normal. If anything, it makes you more normal <laughs> that you do have that. And we should be grateful, right, that we have bodies that help us in that way. You know, and we don't need to judge ourselves because of that. You know, we don't need to beat ourselves up because that happened. We just need to know that that makes us human and that makes it okay. And, and we're okay, you know, despite whatever might have happened to us. And so that is the day, as I mentioned to you all, that I walked away, thankfully, from that relationship. I do not regret it. Oh, uh, And I, I mean, honestly, I don't even regret going through the experience, you know, fully because, I mean, my children are incredible, you know, and I, I'm grateful 10 times over for that. I just wish I could have seen my worst sooner. You know, to be honest, I just was like, wow, I wasted so much time not believing better. I heard from, you know, a close friend of mine once she was in an argument with her husband and she, you know, it got so heavy that he actually like went to, you know, like put his um his, he put his hands around her neck. And what I wanted to use was the word choking because choking is usually the word we hear most often, but that's actually strangulation. So when somebody actually, you know, chokes you, you choke when you like have maybe like something stuck in your throat, but strangulation is when somebody actually tries to put their or hands around your neck and cause, you know, injury in that way. And so that's what was happening that night. She said when that happened, she was like, oh, no, I called the police immediately. You know, I took a stand. I remember hearing her and thinking, why did not do that? <laughs> why did I have the same courage? You know, why was I, wasn't I able to do that? And if I'm speaking to anyone that's also thinking that, well, like, I hear what you're saying, but I'm definitely not in a place where I could leave yet or I don't know how I can get out. I just want you to know I've been there and I, I, I understand that. But that is what your abuser wants you to think, that, like, you have no other option, that you do deserve to stay in this situation and that, no, you, you don't deserve to get out of it. They want you to do that. And that is how I felt. And that is why I stayed. I didn't think that I deserved better. So I didn't demand it. And I allowed myself to stay in that situation far longer than I needed to. Um, but now, like I said, I found myself, I, I'm so grateful to not only be on the other side, have a you know better relationship with my children, but also with God, really, and just really just trying to get my life right in all aspects. But I do have open conversations. And so with in my case, you know, me, you know, being that I'm a mom, I actually do have conversations with my children about it. I know that we live in a society where we, you know, as parents, we are the experts in the fact that we've lived longer than our children. But I would actually argue that they know a lot as well. They do. And I think that 
we sometimes feel that we're protecting them by not talking about certain things, including this, like this topic today, domestic violence. I mean, I'm thinking that if children were present, we probably would be like, well, maybe they shouldn't listen to this episode or, you know, maybe that's not something we should talk about at home. Well, I could tell you as somebody who didn't have that conversation growing up, I would have loved to. I would have loved for somebody to be able to talk to me or at least acknowledge it, that it exists, and really just talk about like healthy coping mechanisms and things like that. Because as you all heard, what was interesting for me is that I grew up with my mom the way I did, did not see any of the abuse that my mom endured. All I saw was, you know, her picking up vices, but I still ended up in an unhealthy relationship. So I thought I did everything right. I went to college on time, got my degree. I'm like, I'm doing great. I'm not fulfilling anything. But no, lo and behold, because I did not have the proper guidance and didn't have the knowledge around it or conversations, I found myself in an unhealthy relationship just like she did. I really was not able to escape that. And so I just think that we can do so much better for ourselves, for our youth and our community as a whole when we do have these conversations and don't is try to escape them or try to ignore them. But let's do it together because I get that they're not easy conversations, sure. Um, but we should definitely do that in community and with support because I also feel that it's much easier now to live the life that I'm living because I have because of my village, <laughs> as I mentioned before. It's definitely wonderful to be surrounded by other people that care about these issues as much as I do. For some that have definitely been there, I definitely have many friends who have also been abused in the past and just definitely have an appreciation for it nonetheless just because they've seen somebody else who has faced it or you know have endured it themselves and I also do know unfortunately some individuals who have had family members that have died at the hands of their abusers that they were either killed you know unfortunately you know abused until that point you know what have you and so I definitely don't want that to be everyone's story. I want us to be able to intercede where we can. There are, I learned actually while I was at the Rape Crisis Center about, you know, some great assessments that actually exist in the world. We're able, there's actually like danger inventories where we're able to see. And that's actually what helped me realize that I was in an unhealthy relationship, y'all. That's where, I, that's, that's where the fraud came in. I started realizing like, oh, I think the person I'm with actually has some of those characteristics. Didn't leave though, right? I was still making excuses at the time. But it was slowly but surely my, you know, that blindness was being lifted and I was able to see that, you know, I was in that same cycle that a lot of people talk about. And so that's what I want to make sure I, you know, highlight or emphasize again is that it is, you know, so domestic violence really is in the cycle of abuse, period. It's an interesting one because, you know, you find yourself, you know, and, and sometimes you also get attracted to a person much like I was, a person who has faced similar trauma. So I'm thinking that what bonded us together and was something we had in common was actually a trauma bond, y'all. That's not... When you bond with somebody over trauma, you're not bonding over love. It's not it's not over something stable. That is why naturally you, those are the relationships that sometimes are turbulent and find themselves in these, you know, unbalanced ways. And so I also don't want to make it seem like do relationships are absent of conflict? Absolutely not. <laughs> like, OK, if I'm arguing with my, you know, significant other, does that mean I'm in an abusive relationship? That also is not what I'm saying. No, you will absolutely. Of course, you're going to find yourself with differing perspectives. But I will tell you that in my relationship and in the one, you know, in any of the abusive ones, you are not safe. You do not feel safe in that relationship. That's when there's an issue. When you feel like you are unable to share your opinion on anything, that is where it becomes an issue. When you feel that 
you're afraid of how that person is going to react to anything you say or, you know, any situation, that is where the issue absolutely lies. And that is where you'll find yourself in these, you know, in those situations. And you're definitely knowing that maybe that might be the time where you do need to seek some other type of assistance. And so, but I want you to know that that, that assistance does exist. And so I am never going to get tired of advocating on behalf, as I mentioned, of all survivors, anybody that has ever faced any type of abuse. And I love working with organizations that, you know, do that work. And I love talking to individuals who have overcome that. So I definitely want to introduce you all, not just to myself, but to other individuals who have also survived traumatic events. And I really want us to dive deeper into these conversations and be able to talk about how, you know, it doesn't define us by any means. No, we are way more than that situation. But at the same time that we can grow right from that experience. And that we could know that, you know, let's really move on to true healing. Because in order for us to really move on to that place of healing, we got to acknowledge that there might have been these dark moments and then be able to move on to life on that other side. And so if y'all recall, um, last time I actually shared a poem. And in case you did not hear, I do actually have another one for you all today. And so this one today is called Your Own Hero. You know yourself better than anyone else does. You have gone through so much before. You love who you're becoming, but deep down, you still want more. Deep down, you still want a hero. You want someone to save you from yourself. You want someone to kiss your insecurities. You want someone to pass all your tests. You want them to have all the answers. You want them to remind you that everything's okay. You want them to cure your loneliness. That's why you keep begging them to stay. You want their company even when it's not healthy. You want their touches to erase all your pain. You want them to help you forget your reality. After being with them, you no longer feel the same. You keep giving away pieces of your body wrapped in garments of your soul. You look for outside validation and doubt that you are capable of ever feeling whole. You are afraid of your own company. You are afraid of your own past. You secure temporary highs, but none of them ever last. You forget that true healing starts from within. True healing requires true introspection. True healing is messy, unorganized, and irregular. True healing requires regular reflection. It requires you to look at the role you play in your own suffering. It requires you to face your entire self. It may bring up uncomfortable feelings, but you are the best person to face that kind of stress. You have always been everything you're looking for. You have always been more than what this world can give. You have permission to love who you are. You have permission to truly live. You deserve to be loved and supported. You deserve a hero to provide that care. That hero lives inside you. That hero was always there. You know yourself better than anyone else does. You have gone through so much before. What's stopping you from being your own hero and choosing every day to love yourself more? So... Thank y'all for indulging that part, uh, but also, but also, thank you all so very much for just indulging me in this overall episode. As you heard there, and as I want you to hear every time you tune in, you are incredible. You absolutely have worth. I can tell you that as somebody who didn't always believe that, I didn't always believe that I could even get up here and talk to y'all. I definitely at one point that I didn't deserve to have a platform that. 
I what I said, nobody probably wanted to hear. And now I'm standing here before y'all. So if I could do it, I know others can do it. And so if anything I said resonated with you, I want you to feel encouraged to reach out. You know, if there's ever anything that you do want to talk to, I don't just want to be somebody that hosts a podcast. I want to also be somebody that you can reach out to a resource that maybe you can use. I want to be able to do all of those things. And so I want to remind you that if you want to connect with me, my Instagram is Santana says, uh, much like the name of this podcast with an underscore. So Santana is spelled S-A-N-T-A-N-A-S-A-Y-S with an underscore, one underscore. And then you can also find me, you can always email me as well. My email is Melly, M-E-L-I dot Santana 88 at gmail.com. And for those who also have this lovely visual, it's already right here for you. So, you know, but I just want to make sure you heard it. And so, as always, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. I hope we get to do it again. I'm having such a great time being able to do all this. Um, but like I said, any way we can connect, anything that we can talk more about, please reach out because I want this to be an experience for both of us. And I just thank you for taking part in it today and any day. Thank you all.